Pray with me, folks. Father, we're worshiping you. You adore the worship of your saints. You've told us in your word that uh, if we don't praise you, that the rocks and the trees will cry out. You are holy God. You are more than worthy of our praise. Father, through your blessed spirit this morning, speak to us by the power of your word. Transform us, fill us, renew us. And even if there's the need, save us. For your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You came in, you should have received maybe a, an insert. If you'd like to follow along with me. Also, you have your Bible. We'll be looking up some scripture. Now listen, I'm going to put it up on the big screen for you, but don't let that make you lazy about looking in your Bible with me. We need to be in, our, we need to be in the Word. Amen? This is the one unchanging thing in our world today. Good morning and welcome to everyone, and I'm glad you're here Now, before I go any further into this series, I want to give credit to my favorite preacher. His name is Dr. Charles Stanley for his help in understanding and presenting these truths. Much of what I'm presenting over these next weeks has come from his writings, but more importantly, it's come from the Word of God. Today, we're going to continue on in our search to become more familiar with and to better understand the mystery God. I'm speaking of the Holy Spirit of God. He is a co-equal member of the Trinity. Now, the Trinity, the word Trinity is not in our Bible, but it's certainly described in our Bible. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let me give you maybe just an example. Sometimes it's hard to understand that there's three of them, but they're all one. You can't get one without the other. Someone shared with me this week, and I forgot my egg, but you can picture an egg with me, right? On the egg, you have the shell, you have the egg white, and then you have the egg yolk, but they're all the egg. Normally, you don't get one without the other unless you're a real health nut, and then you don't eat the yolk. We won't go there. Let me give you another example. I have my dear sister, Carolyn. Carolyn Phelps. She's a daughter. She's a wife. And she's a mother. So, but she's all Carolyn. She's Carolyn, the daughter, Carolyn, the wife, and Carolyn, the mother. Now, upon true salvation, you and I, Trust the Lord Jesus as our Savior. You say, well, I I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And that's true. And when we confess our sins and we ask God for forgiveness and we ask him to apply the sacrifice that Jesus paid for on the cross, he shed his blood because God the Father, the righteous Father said, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. So Jesus came and shed his perfect righteous blood so we don't have to die. And, and by, by asking God to apply his sacrifice to my life, 
Now what I'm doing is I'm making him my personal savior. He's the savior of the world, all right. And he died when he died. His sacrifice is great enough to pay for everyone's salvation and to pay the sin debt. But we must believe. We must accept. That's what makes him our personal savior. Well, at that very moment, when we ask Christ to come into our heart, several miraculous things take place. Our sins are forgiven. They're not only forgiven, they're removed as far as the east is from the west. And he says, I remember them no more. Now, if that don't make you happy, let me start over. Our sins are forgiven. We got a clean bill, folks. You mean even the ones that I haven't done yet? Yes, because his sacrifice is so perfect that it paid for sin for all time. From Adam to the last, it paid for it all. One time. Cost Jesus everything. But it's a free gift to you and I. So our sins are forgiven and removed from us. We are given eternal life. At that moment, we are given eternal life. So what has happened is that the penalty of sin, which is eternal damnation into hell, has been removed from us. Permanently. Come on now, we're going we're gonna to rejoice this morning. I'm not going to quit till we rejoice. Man, our sins are forgiven. The penalty of sin has been removed. Jesus gives us his righteousness. What a deal. He takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. I used to think that when God looked at me, he looked through rose-colored glasses and he saw Jesus' righteousness. No, Jesus gave it to me. Not that I deserved it, but I'm glad he gave it to me. Now, Another incredible thing happens at this time. The Holy Spirit of God, this is God's Spirit, comes to dwell in your heart and mind. He's in you. If you're a believer, God's Spirit is in you. Permanently. I'm so glad. For years, I thought it would come and go based on my behavior, and I am so glad to find out the truth. It's not about me, it's about him. And so then we begin the journey of personally walking and talking with God's Holy Spirit. Now, last week, we talked about Jesus when he was telling his disciples just before he left that they were going to need some help. You guys are going to need some help. And Jesus knew him. He'd walk with him very closely for three years. And after three years, there were sometimes he goes, and you still don't get it? So he said, you're going to need some help to live this Christian life and help to have the necessary passion and power to fulfill the calling that I'm giving you, and that is to reach the world with the gospel. That's a big calling, especially for 12 disciples. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Acts chapter 1. We read the scripture last week. We're going to read it again. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and then verse 8. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. 
As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me. Key phrase in here this morning is until the Father sends you the gift he promised. The title of this morning's sermon is God's greatest gift. It's a twofold gift that is given by God and received by us. By the way, if we don't receive it, it's of no value to us. How many of you still have unwrapped Christmas gifts from last year? John, you had to spoil it. A couple of you. Well, we need to get in there and look them, rip them open, and find out what's in them. A gift is to be unwrapped. So, twofold gift. First of all, salvation and all it entails in, the, in our lives for eternity. We talked about some of that already. Here's a part that we don't talk about enough. The twofold part of this salvation is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God personally and permanently. See, we've heard much about salvation and what that brings to us and what that rescues us from, but not so much has been said about the indwelling Holy Spirit and what he brings to us and and what he rescues us from. In other words, we want to talk about the ongoing work that happens in the life of a true believer. So often, our churches have been like a dating game. We'll, We'll share the gospel of Jesus with people, and they'll feel God's tug on their heart, and they'll give their life to Christ, and then we are done with them. Thank God God's not done with them. That's when we should be ready to disciple them, to work beside them, to help them grow, help them to come to know Jesus Christ in a greater and more personal way. That's the ongoing work that happens in the life of a true believer. Salvation from the bondage of sin is great. Eternal life with Christ forever in heaven is beyond human understanding. He said, there are things that you can't even imagine that I've prepared for you. But, but to have the spirit of almighty God living inside of us, that's almost unimaginable. We have not even grasped it. But when it gets a hold of us, it's going to change us. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will give us the spiritual power we need to withstand temptation. I am weak, but he is strong. And he's going to give us the spiritual wisdom to recognize and avoid trouble. Oh, by the way, it's because he knows everything. We're talking about God's spirit now, okay? God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. What's the other one? Omnipresent. That's how he's omnipresent, by his spirit living in all of us. 
I said this last week and I'll say it again. I want us to get this picture clear. God the Father never leaves his throne. He's on his throne. He's being worshipped day and night, 24-7. And his son, Jesus Christ, now that he's come and paid the price and finished the work, sits at the right hand of the Father. So we know where they're at. So who is this God that's everywhere? It's God the Holy Spirit. I want you to leave today just in love with him. And maybe for the first time, you'll get a glimpse of him. He is responsible for so much. You and I never, ever spiritually outgrow our need or dependency upon the Holy Spirit. And the minute we think we've grown and we don't need him, we're in trouble. It reminds me of this little picture of the little two-year-old with mommy's hand. We're going, we're waiting for the light to turn green. And the little one's done this before. She's two years old. And she knows that when the light turns green, we walk. And so she's trying to pull her hand out of mama's hand. I know where I'm going. We got to go from here to there. What she doesn't know is the traffic that's out here. And that's just like us. We want to, oh, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I'm okay. I can fly. have the Holy Spirit of the living God in us. See, we're never going to spiritually outgrow our need for him. In fact, the opposite is true. The more mature we are in our faith and the more intimate we are in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, the more dependent we will be on the Holy Spirit because that's how it He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. How many of us have pushed him in the background? He's there. It's the Holy Spirit who guides us in the right paths to walk. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sins if we stray from that path. It's the Holy Spirit that reminds us of the truths of God's word and then teaches us how to apply those truths in our life. It is the Holy Spirit who works in us to conform us to the image of Jesus. That's what that means, moving people toward Christ. We want to introduce them to Jesus, but then we want them to become more and more like Jesus. Amen? That's why we're here. That's our vision statement. Sometimes I remember Tony, Pastor Tony first came. He goes, what does that mean? Well, and that's what that means. We want to introduce people to Jesus. Maybe step by step. You may talk to them, and then you may talk to them, and they may see him in your life, and it moves them towards an understanding that there is a God who loves them until they come to the place where they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. But we don't want them to stop then. We want them to get to know Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit, that's the number one job of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is to move us toward Christ. First question. It's already up there. Nope. There we go. There's our first question. Who is the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer today? Today, the 21st century. 
to know that we're so smart. Okay. <laughs> the four, listen, the foremost lesson every Christian must learn about the Holy Spirit is what I'm about to tell you. This is the most important thing that you can learn as a Christian. He, the Holy Spirit, is the promise of our Heavenly Father to each one of us. The Holy Spirit is God's promise to you and I as believers. It's His promise. You trust God? Has He ever let you down? Oh, you may think He has. You need to rethink it. I remember Dr. White, when he was teaching our class, he said, now listen, you know, when you're reading through the gospel, sometimes you think, whoa, whoa, whoa. This time it said they had 5,000. The other time it says they had 4,000. I think there's a mistake. He said, the Bible's never wrong. You need to read it again because you are. And better understand it. Listen to the words of Jesus just before he left his earth. And listen, if you want to look, turn up your Bible. Luke chapter 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. Then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed. The King James uses a unique word, until you are endued with power from on high. Wait. How many times have we told our children, wait? How many wives have told us, husbands, just wait? Wait. Good things will happen to those who wait. A lot of people ask me, well, pastor, what do you think we ought to do? I said, I don't know, so let's wait. That's one thing I've learned. Instead of just charging out there going, well, I think this is the best idea. I believe God knows exactly who he's dealing with. Come on now. And he knows when, when my prayer is, God, make it so I can understand. And until you do, I'm going to wait. I've learned that from banging my head on the wall too many times. See, it's a very short and simple message that Jesus gives the key. This is the key to living a victorious life as he demonstrated on earth. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now, this is a promise as we know him. We've read about it in John chapter 14 and 15. Acts chapter 1, other passages in the New Testament that he was and is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. We've got to make this connection. He is God. God is in you. Shouldn't I be doing better? Yeah. If I'll listen to him, I'll do a heck of a lot better. See, Jesus has made available to every believer the work and power of the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of salvation. It's like when you repent of your ways and you say, I can't do this, I need to go your way and I accept you as my Savior. When you get Jesus, you get his Holy Spirit. And that's a seal. Scripture tells us he's given to us as a seal. 
until the day of redemption. That's, what, that's why I can tell you this morning, he's in your life permanently. Any of you ever try to run from him? Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll find you. There's no place you can't, you can hide from God. Every believer, every believer, let me just say that one more time. Every believer receives the promise, regardless of denomination, cultural background, race, color, age, and social status, to name a few. Every believer receives this power. You mean there's born-again Catholics? Yes. Are there born-again Lutherans? Yes. Listen, folks, I'm not a Baptist. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. The reason I'm in a Baptist church is because we preach the Word of God. There's things in there I don't like either. But guess what? They're there, and we're to obey them. So if we're a true believer, listen, there's Muslims, thousands of Muslims giving their life to Christ every day. And some of them are losing their life because of it. So regardless of all that, every believer receives the promise. Many people seem to think that the Holy Spirit has only been poured out on those who are preachers and teachers and missionaries and and some other type of full-time Christian work. That is not so. That's a lie. I'm just going to test where we've been so far. How many of you this morning will raise your hand and say, I have the living spirit of a living God in my heart? Yes. All right. We're getting somewhere here. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is for every believer. The Holy Spirit is given to businessmen, to mothers, to students, especially to plumbers and air conditioning men. God bless them. Secretaries. He's given to all people in all walks of life. Again, I want us to remember, God is no respecter of persons. God so loved the world. There's nobody that's got more of the Holy Spirit in them than you because he's all there. How much you does he have? That's what counts. Well, let's talk about God's divine presence and sovereign power. Question number two. What does the Bible mean by the words power from on high? Well, the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're following along, the power of the Holy Spirit is the divine authority. Who's really in charge of this world? God. A lot of people in Washington seem to think he's dead. They're going to find out. So the power of the Holy Spirit is the divine authority and energy that God releases. And don't you know, some days I just need a whole bunch of his energy. He releases it into the life of every one of his children. Why? Why? To enable us to live a godly fruitful life, not to exist here till Jesus comes. There's got to be more. There is. There is. Scripture tells us that we become clothed, clothed from on high by his power. 
In other words, his power envelops us, not only to protect and influence us, but also to enable us to demonstrate the likeness of Jesus. So often, we let the cat out of the bag and say, I'm a believer. And then we act like an unbeliever. People say, don't look and act like a believer. In other words, we're not clothed by the Spirit of God. What does that look like? We're going to talk about that. Not next week, the week after. called the fruit of the Spirit. They'll know you are a believer by the fruit in your life. The number one fruit is love. Listen. Let me give you an example of this. Maybe we can get our, our head around this. It's like wearing clothing that identifies a person, and particularly maybe a policeman. You look by their uniform, or a fireman. Or how about the robes of a king? Or how about this, the uniform of a military man or woman? We know what they're engaged in by what they're clothed in. Similarly, the spiritual garment bestowed by the Holy Spirit identifies you and I as Christ's brothers and sisters alive and serving in the world to bring about God's kingdom. So can people look at you and say, you're clothed in righteousness. You're clothed in the Holy Spirit. I can see them. I've I've come across people. I've just met them. And we had a kindred spirit because I could sense the spirit of God in them. Sometimes you can just say it all over their face. Janetta. Some people just can't hide it. You know, and then we have the others that are going, I'm just hanging in here till Jesus comes. And that's kind of sad. We of all people should have lives full of joy. Joy. Unimaginable at times when it doesn't make any sense. Peace that passes all understanding. When the most difficult things in life happen, God can give us peace. When things are happening and crashing all around us, we say, I know in whom I have believed, and he's still on his throne. Well, listen, a lot of people think they can manipulate the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a denomination that thinks they can just go, okay, Holy Spirit, now it's time to move. And we'll see a lot of physical demonstration, not evidence, demonstration. It's called emotionalism. One thing that I've, I learned from Dr. White, and I love it because I believe it came from the Lord, life is like a railroad track. We need to keep wheels on both tracks, folks. You have this bunch over here that's got this wheel off the track, and they're leaning way over here. And they believe that you can lose your salvation, and that unless you speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit isn't in your life, and we'll see it demonstrated. You've got to speak in tongues. You've got to dance in the Spirit. You've got to do this. You... That's the extreme. And then we have this other extreme over here who may know the Lord, but just say, listen. I don't want anybody thinking I'm charismatic. So we inhibit our worship because of what we think other people will think. Man, it's time to, he is to be worshiped. He's to be praised. And the more we get to know him and think about him and walk with him and talk with him, the more willing we are to give him praise. 
I'm coming up on 45 years, and I'm just now learning how to praise my wife. And you know what the big struggle is, is her accepting it. Yeah. Because I know who she is by now. What does the Bible mean when Jesus said his disciples would be endued with power? What does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit initiates and governs his relationship with us from start to finish. You think, I've got control over the Holy Spirit. No, you've just pushed him aside. The Holy Spirit is going to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do and can do. The Holy Spirit cannot be manipulated. You and I cannot make the Holy Spirit do anything. I'm going to be real careful, but I want to explain myself. How many of you have ever gotten a Facebook ad that says, I need a million people to be praying for my husband who's dying of cancer? Okay. Now, sometimes that's sincere. Sometimes that's sincerely ignorant. Because what we think we're doing is ganging up on the Lord. If I can get a million people praying, God will heal my husband. God doesn't have to do anything but keep his word. Come on now. If God's going to heal your husband, he can do that with a simple prayer. One. So that's just one expression of how we try to manipulate the Holy Spirit. Say, God, you know, we got a lot of people praying here. You're going to have to do something. Like he didn't know this situation was coming. See, we cannot fill ourselves with the Spirit. And I know a lot of people do. Had a, a young friend of Jerry's when we, well, we were young back then. Uh, she went to Oral Roberts University. And good Baptist girl went there because she was a music major. And they got a wonderful music program. But in some of the side prayer times, they were encouraging her to speak in tongues. So we just lift your hands and start to babble a little bit. She said, if the Holy Spirit wants to speak in me, he don't need my help to get him kick-started. We cannot fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit, no matter what formula, what method, or series of work we're told to perform. You with me? See, it saddens my heart because so many people have bought into this. It's what I got to do. I got to do this. I got to do this. Uh, I'm not secure. Yeah, you are. I keep telling my brother. He said, but, but that scripture says nothing can separate us from the love of God, this, this, and this. But we can't. I said, the last thing it says, all things created. Are you not created? Where did you come from? You're created. Nothing can pluck us from the Father's hand. He keeps us. We don't keep him, and I'm so glad. We cannot govern the Holy Spirit, and neither can we eliminate him from our lives. Once he's in you, you're possessed. My mother used to tell me that, but at the time I wasn't possessed with the Holy Spirit. We are possessed. We are owned by him. And when we get that right in our mind is when we quit having trouble with humility and who's in charge. See, as we said earlier, God imparts his spirit to those who believe in Jesus Christ as their savior. It happens right then. See, a lot of people, a lot of people are taught, well, you get saved, you ask Jesus to come into your heart. 
And then you go through this sanctification process. That word sanctify means to be set apart. In other words, the things that I used to do, I don't want to do. I don't want to do what he wants me to do. And this is a process, and it can, it can take a lifetime. Because none of us are going to be perfect until he makes us perfect in heaven. Amen? So I get saved, I ask Jesus to come into my heart, and I begin this sanctification process, and I'm not sure when, because I'm told that once I've been sanctified, then I can be filled. What's wrong with this? Well, you can't get one without the other. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three, but they're one. When Jesus comes into your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. He's there. All of him is there. And the sanctification process is him gaining more and more control of your life until you begin to walk in the Spirit. Paul says, walk in the Spirit so I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you haven't heard this, you may be new here today. Listen, when you were redeemed, you gave Jesus your heart, your spirit was redeemed, your flesh is still wicked. And it will remain that way. So here's the problem. Who's going to win? The spirit of the flesh, whoever we feed. Whoever we feed. The work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, it's His work done as His initiative, motivated by His love and divine purpose for our lives. Several years back, I was teaching on Wednesday night, and the Lord just opened my eyes. He said, you've spent a lot of your life praying and asking me to help you not to do this, help you to do this, and help you not to do this anymore. And how about if you just seek me? Because your behavior is going to be an outcome of your heart. God changed my heart, then I won't have so many issues. The Holy Spirit manifests himself as he desires in our lives. He will chasten us. He will chastise us. He will reprove us. Oftentimes through his word, that's what it tells us, his word. Does these things, gives us wisdom, gives us hope, gives us comfort. See, a lot of times we like the comfort, but I don't like the chastisement. It is the Holy Spirit who does the work of energizing the body, both individually and corporately. It is the Holy Spirit who does the work of enlightening and renewing our minds to understand truth and able to apply it in our daily lives. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. A good teacher will help, but a good teacher will allow the Holy Spirit to work through him or her. It's the Holy Spirit who does the work of inflaming our hearts with passion. So often people say, Okay, preacher, you told me what I got to do, but I don't care. I got an attitude problem. Well, the Holy Spirit's capable. That's a good place to start then. Holy Spirit, touch my heart. Give me your passion. Help me to care like Jesus did about lost people. They're all around us. I had a dear friend of mine many years ago came and said, you know, I just made the discovery this week that I don't have any non-Christian friends. He said, that's not good. I said, you're right. How can we have an influence in the world if we're not in the world? Not of it, in it. It's the Holy Spirit who does the work of generating in us a tremendous desire 
to preach repentance and remission of sins. Has it happened to you? Whoa, let me run that one by you again. Have you repented of your sins and have you received salvation? Are you happy about it? Can you explain it to somebody else? They need to hear it. They need to hear it. In closing, we talk about the promise of the Father. So what does the Bible mean when it refers to the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father? Well, a promise is something that is always and forever. Not so much in our society anymore. I'll promise to stay with you as long as it works out. I'll promise to be a faithful employee as long as you treat me right. No. No, we're talking about a promise here that is always and forever. Jesus was saying that the Holy Spirit will always be with us as our comforter, our helper, capital H, source of divine power, and the one who leads us into all truth. You know, we we looked at the book of Acts, and we saw that this power demonstrated in these apostles' lives. In fact, Scripture tells us that Peter, Peter the denier, the fisherman, never been to seminary, but he met Jesus, and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, at one point in his ministry, when he walked down the street, his shadow brought healing to people because he was full of the Holy Spirit. Plug me in, Lord. Plug me in and turn me on. Next week, we will be focusing on the scriptural particulars or the evidences of who the Holy Spirit is and why God sends the Holy Spirit to us. We'll be talking about some of how he demonstrates why he's here. Why did God say you need him? We're going to talk about that. See, we're clothed by the Spirit, meaning we are in Christ, and he dwells in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Always. We've shared this on Sunday night, our young adults, and they're such a a wonderful group, but they're so honest. And we've had this conversation. If the Holy Spirit is in you, and you're someplace you shouldn't be, guess who's with you? The Holy Spirit is God's assurance that our salvation is secure. I love lighthouses. I took care of them for a living for many years. And I love, before you can have a good lighthouse, you've got to have a good foundation. And I remember one, it was called Race Rock Light. It was in six knots of current. And it may not sound a lot, but you try to swim against it, you won't make it. And they tried four seasons to build the foundation of that place because the, the season, the winds kept destroying it before they could get it solid. You see, the Holy Spirit is our assurance that salvation is secure. It is promised to us for all eternity. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or next week or next year. It doesn't matter. You're secure in Jesus Christ. What a great and wondrous mystery this is. And the more we explore it, the more excited I get. We are in Christ, and he dwells in us by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's greatest gift to you and me. 
It doesn't get any better than this. If, if you can just comprehend for a little bit of what God is able to do and what he has done, did you know that he can do all of that through you and me? The sky's the limit. You shall receive the Holy Spirit when you admit to your sinful condition and you turn from it and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. So how do you get the Holy Spirit in your life? By receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's be real patient. Let's be real quiet and allow the Holy Spirit a chance to move here. To speak to us. See, the way this relationship starts is through salvation. And maybe you're here this morning. You say, I know right where I'm sitting, that hasn't happened. But you want it to. Because the Father is drawing you. He's speaking to you. He wants you. He loves you. He wants you to be part of his family. He wants to give you salvation. He wants to put his Holy Spirit in your life to be there with you. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're an adult. It doesn't matter. If you're here this morning and you're thinking about this, you say, you know what? I've never made that choice. I've never asked Jesus to be my Savior. So what you're talking about hasn't happened. It can right now. In this quiet moment, is there anyone who would say, I've never asked Jesus to be my Savior, but I want to? Just just raise your hand up and down so I can see. I want to pray for you. I want you to acknowledge it, and I want God to see you acknowledge it. Anybody? Father, according to the witness that we just saw, everyone in this room is your child. You know And we know. What I ask you, Father, this morning, because I believe it's your desire. I believe it's your desire by everything you've written and how you've, uh, what you've done, is that you want us to know you. Know you, know you, know you like we've never known you. To love you. To be able to listen to you. To obey you. Father, would you please speak to each one of us right where we're at. Because according to our testimony, all of us have your spirit in us. And he's of one, he's one spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what, what do you see in me that we need to work on? Maybe there's a sin I've been holding on to. Maybe there's a sin you've been holding on to. You say, this morning, God, you've shown it to me. I know what it is. Give me the strength. Remove it. Help me. I've struggled with this over and over and over because I've been trying to do it on my own. God, I give myself to you and I ask Holy Spirit to take charge of me and this issue. Work in our hearts this morning, Father. Stir us up. For this world needs us to be in tune with you. And I ask this in your name, Jesus, and for your sake. Amen.